Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 446. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about the unbearable weight of massive talent. And that's not just a description of Kevin's life. It is Ooh. the movie by Tom Gorm- Gormican. Thank you. Yeah, it's on uh, VOD right now, so... Figured we could uh, give this one a look since I feel like there's pretty much a dearth of movies out there right now. We've been having a really hard time finding stuff to talk about. Yeah, we sure have. Yeah, but we're here. We're here this week. We're somewhat, at least I'm somewhat unprepared, but we're going to get through it. Uh, Also, this week we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. With that, I think we can just go straight in. Just take a deep dive into the unbearable weight of massive talent. I have a synopsis here. In this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan and a CIA agent. So, Kevin, we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of the unbearable weight of massive talent? Um, you know, I think when you're going into this movie, I think you have a good idea of what you signed up for. You know what I mean? Expectations weren't high. And I think, like most people, you're going in, you just want to watch Nick Cage be Nick Cage. And he gets to play himself here. So, you know, that's what you're here for. And I think for the most part, I found that to be pretty enjoyable. A lot of the stuff didn't work for me, like the the whole plot, like the entire story. <laughs> the entire, the, 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 everything yeah. involving the story of this movie yeah. didn't work for you. You know, pretty much anything that was not Nick Cage playing Nick Cage didn't really work for me. But again, I know what I signed up for, you know, and I... It, I think for the most part, it delivered on that promise. It just, it could have been better. It could have been something much, much more, but it's not. It's fairly entertaining. I mean, Nick Cage is, Nick Cage, he's always fun to watch, especially in this type of role. But I just, I feel like you could have just done a lot more. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you. There, there could have been a lot. I was expecting more, actually. You know, the whole thing where they're, like, talking about channeling his past roles and stuff. I was, like, kind of thinking that it was going to be, like, a, a slumdog millionaire situation where he where he uses the roles that he played from different movies to help him get out of situations and stuff like that. Yeah. And that doesn't really happen. I mean... No. It doesn't happen at all, unfortunately. So that that was kind of a... That was kind of a bummer. It's a very meta movie. Not just are we watching Nicolas Cage play Nicolas Cage, but we're also sort of watching the movie that he and and Pedro Pascal are sort of creating in their in the movie itself. So it's kind of got that like fun little meta narrative going on where you know, they talk about it being a, a character piece at the beginning and then going into a thrilling, like, blockbuster popcorn movie at the end. And that's exactly how this plays out. Yeah. At the Which beginning, you... at the beginning, we see Nicolas Cage, like, 
sort of struggling in his career. He's not, he, which is kind of weird because he, he is so busy and he, he does put out so many movies and they comment on that. But at the same time, he seems like he's not happy with that. And like, he has this like struggling relationship with his daughter. And, um, I did enjoy the, the David Gordon green bit at the beginning, but yeah, as it, as it progresses, it kind of goes into more of an action movie type of thing, like a buddy, buddy comedy action yeah. movie and i gotta say i don't i didn't i didn't really enjoy the the meta aspect of this well it's just, it's just it didn't it, really work no me i mean much. it's just it's just super light like everything about this movie to me feels very surface level they touch on different things like like is this like i was kind of thinking like is this like a some sort of like therapeutic movie for nicholas cage is, is he using this movie to sort of look at his real life and and um make you know ho- ho- make some changes in his real life sort of like that movie that Gerard Depardieu did and and JCVD I mean I think a lot of people would compare this very closely to JCVD which I would argue that is a much better movie than this but it's just everything that it touches on it it's so fleeting and so surface level that it doesn't really give you anything more than a pretty average action comedy. Like, that's really what this movie boils down to. It's just, it's Nicolas Cage in a buddy action comedy that has certainly enjoyable parts to it. Some of the dialogue is very funny. I loved the dynamic between Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage. I thought that they played off of each other incredibly well like i i really enjoyed that that team up but like you said the the overall plot is just there's just not not a lot going on here yeah and i feel like they it, it is a missed opportunity not only could they have done more with the whole idea of him channeling his previous roles but digging into more of like his personal life rather than making like an offhanded joke about how he makes like 37,000 movies a year. Maybe, maybe look at like more, more about him as a, as a person. Like they try to do that. Like they try to make this be like an arc of like personal, uh, discovery and like him, him sort of becoming a better father and all of that. But it's like, how did this make him a better father? Like, what was the reasoning behind this? I just don't really see it. Yeah, it just felt... It felt like Gormican was trying to make it a little bit more, you know, have a little bit more weight to it, and he just seemed like he was entirely out of the Like, if it just would have fully embraced and just went with this buddy action comedy route, I think it would have played so much better because yeah, I just feel like when it comes to the you know the quote unquote drama aspects of it, because even when they're talking about the meta stuff and you know how they're saying that they're making a a adult character driven drama for for adults, it's just like oh, really, do you think that's what you're doing in the first portion of this movie? Because that's not that's not how it's coming across. No, and I I guess. 
in some sense, they could argue that that was the whole point was that that the two of them were do like trying to hatch this like ridiculous story while on drugs and it never really was going to work. But the, the problem with that argument is that it then excuses it, the movie itself, no matter how shitty it might be, you know, it, it almost makes it critic proof at that point when they, when they, when they try to say like, Oh, well, no, it was supposed to be a little ham fisted and, and like that. But yeah. I don't think that that's the case here. I just think that it was, to be clear, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed myself. I laughed multiple times. I thought it was very entertaining. I really enjoyed seeing Nicolas Cage play himself. And I, I there were certain aspects of it that I thought were really funny. Like the fact that he has his like inner, his like inner voice, the, the Nicky, the Nicky Cage. Yeah. I loved that whole thing, especially the scene when he makes out with himself. Like, I just thought that that was so perfect to include that where it's like, okay, yeah, I I bet a lot of actors have that same sort of thing where it's like, okay, if they could make out with themselves, they probably would. And so there were a lot of aspects of it that I, that I liked quite a bit, uh, specifically just some of the jokes and some of the the one-liners and the dialogue and stuff and the him him finding the Nicolas Cage like memorabilia room and his reaction to that and that like I appreciate that Nicolas Cage is acutely aware of all of the memes surrounding him and the fact that they included almost all of those memes in this movie and like like him reacting to the Nicolas Cage pillow and the 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 the, uh, the stat the statue thing where he's like how much did you pay for this and he's like six thousand dollars because I'll keep twenty thousand for it. Just a lot of little things that I enjoyed quite a bit, especially because I am a Nicolas Cage fan. Oh yeah, how can you not be? There was a not the bees reference. I mean, it was just. By the way, the whole not the bees thing. I'm pretty sure that we were memeing that way before everybody else. Well, we might have. We might have been. I'm not sure. It was, back, it was like 2012 that we were memeing that. But I do. I think this is another one of those instances which, you know, I don't know if you can get away with this. But I think it would have been so much better if it just really didn't have a plot. And it was just these two hanging out. And that's it. That would have been funny. If it was like literally... Just, it was the same opening, you know, him struggling, reluctantly taking this job that where he had to just entertain this rich guy for a day or whatever. And then they became best friends and just did stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> it just, would be, and, you know, it would have been so much better if it was low stakes. Yeah. It would have been kind of interesting. Or if they, if they tried to lean into the like meta narrative even more and tried to make it more grounded and realistic, close, closer to like Nicolas Cage's real life and stuff. I mean, do do something like that. I don't know. I don't want to speculate about what this could have been because, you know, that's a little reductive, but it could have been a lot of things. Yeah. It's fine yeah. as is, but I just feel like it, there's a lot of missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, again, if, you know what you're, you're signing up for. So if you're interested in that... And you're going to watch this. I have a feeling for the most part, you're going to be fairly entertained. 
yeah. at least minimal. I think if if you're a a Nicolas Cage fan and you like wacky Nick Cage, then you'll you'll enjoy this. I he, he, since he's playing himself, he's pretty normal, but there is plenty of that kind of wackiness in here, okay. specifically like with the Nicky stuff. I think that that's whole. That's like kind of the whole point of the Nikki character is that it's his like wild side. Well, and you get two drug sequences. Yeah, the drug sequences Nikki. are great too. And normally, you know, I hate yeah. drug trip scenes. Uh, but these are great because not only are they hilarious, but they, uh, well, no, that's just it. They're hilarious. <laughs> I, lo- I love the scenes. Uh, anything else you want to add before we give this a score? Uh, I don't think so. All right, cool. Oh, no, I did. There was, it was interesting to me. I don't know how interested it would be to you. But earlier in the day, before I watched this movie, I was thinking, I forget what prompted it, but I was thinking about like new actors and stuff and how it always seems like when I see a new actor in something, my first impulse is to be like, who are their parents? Oh, the uh, uh, Kate Beckinsale's. Yeah, so as soon as the camera goes to her, immediate thought is like, oh, here we go. Who's her parents? Because she definitely looks like someone. And I know that. So, yeah, her dad is Michael Sheen, and she looks exactly like Michael Sheen. Like, when you say, when you see her, you might not see it right away. But if someone were to say to you, oh, that's Michael Sheen's daughter, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see it. Yeah, it's a weird thing in that she looks... To me, she looks like a like a perfect amalgamation of Kate Beckinsale and Sheen. Like if you were to somehow morph those two people together and make one person, Lily Mo Sheen is that person. Yeah, it's it's, it's just bizarre. It's kind of it's kind of wild. All right, let's go ahead and give this a score. I'm sitting at like a like a six six and a half for this one. Yeah, I'd give it a six. All right, there you have it. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is available now on VOD platforms, probably playing in some theaters still, I would imagine. More than likely. But I would I would say this is an easy VOD recommend. I don't think that this is a movie you need to see in the theater. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. One movie that I will recommend seeing in the theater, however, is Top Gun Maverick, which I saw during our little break. Now, I had no expectations for this going into it. I like Top Gun like most like most kids our age. I grew up with Top, Top Gun. Did you like Top Gun as a kid? I don't know. I have no idea. I bet you did. You're all you probably. were you were probably all about that at 14. You probably had like a little F14 toys and Flying around with your brother. I don't think so. I just had a shit ton of G.I. Joes. Yeah, and you're probably flying them around in F-14s, too. I don't know. I don't know if I had any planes. You loved it. You loved planes. I probably did. I don't know. I don't remember, like, planes. Well, regardless, I I was not... I I liked the original Top Gun as a kid. I wasn't, like, obsessed with it like some people. And so I was like, eh, whatever. I'll go see it. No big deal. Uh, I was... Pretty impressed with this movie. It is, I would say, for fans of the original, you're going to get 
a a very faithful sequel here. You have a lot of the same types of scenes. There's like, you know, like in, in the original, you have the volleyball, the infamous volleyball scene. There's a scene like that in here. The score is the same. They like just sort of revamped the original score. They have the, the Kenny Loggins. I mean, it, it all feels very authentic. There's a lot of kind of throwback stuff to the original, but it's not like too heavy handed. It's not too uh, overt with the throwbacks and the homage and all of that stuff. I think that it's done in a very tactful way. The big thing about this obviously is the action and the action is like incredible. Like I'm sure that most of you probably already know that they actually, when they film this, it's not green screen or anything like that. They used real fighter jets and captured all of the stuff using real jets and it looks awesome. Like the, the actual, like the training montages and stuff are cool. The actual mission that they have to carry out is really cool. It's sort of in, in the day and age of drones, you know, they needed to come up with an idea of something where like a fighter squadron had to, had to carry out this mission that a drone couldn't do, you know, because these days you just use a drone and, so they had to come up with a, a a unique idea that would eliminate being able to use them. So I, I liked the this overall story of it. It's awesome. I would recommend seeing it in the theater. I saw it in one of those like RC extreme theaters where the you know the seats shake and all that stuff, and it was really cool. So yeah, I definitely recommend Top Gun Maverick. It's cheesy. To be clear, it's very cheesy. the The dialogue is. So ridiculous at times. I mean, it is laughable how corny some of the dialogue is, but that's kind of what I was expecting. Like if it wasn't, and it was like super serious and everything, it wouldn't feel as faithful to the original because the original is super cheesy. Oh yeah. And this, this one is, it's the, it's the same. It's the same amount of cheese. And I liked that. Like I, I, I thought that the, the, corny bad dialogue was endearing so top gun maverick yeah i recommend it all right, all right. very shocked very shocked at how into this i was i do remember you texting me immediately and being like i like i really like this movie i don't know what to do with that information yeah I was, it really just I was, like kind of shook you as a person it, yeah because i was really not expecting anything out of it having an identity crisis after watching top gun maverick <laughs> yeah I have to rethink my whole life. <laughs> uh, I watched old M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, okay. All this right. Is about, this is about that beach. That yeah. Beach. Yeah. Did you, did you know, did I tell you, did I give away the twist? Uh, if you did, I completely had forgotten it. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I remember talking about it on the show, but I just, I can't remember if like off air, I told you the twist. There's a good chance, so. dude. Like, my memory is so bad that I probably even said, like, oh, I'm never going to watch it. Just tell me. And then, you know, a couple months later, I watch it. But I don't remember. I just know something's hap- something freaky's happening at this beach. I was slightly disappointed because I was really hoping that, like, the poster would turn in, like, a part of their body would turn into a skeleton before they actually died. And that doesn't happen. So that was mm. disappointing. That was really the only disappointing thing to me. I actually, for the most part, enjoyed this. This felt like classic Shyamalan to me. 
it was ridiculous in a good way. I found it fairly enjoyable. Some of the dialogue and the acting I thought was a little a little shaky. But to me it's just it's 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 a tight little movie. And it does what it does. And the 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 twist that I thought was pretty inventive. I mean it's ridiculous, but you can I kind of want that and for the most part I was pretty happy with this. I got to say. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I didn't. Yeah, it was funny because I had no interest in seeing this, but my wife really wanted to. She was just so excited. So no expectations on my part. I came out, you know, maybe smoke a cigarette afterwards, and I'm like, I actually kind of enjoyed that. That was surprising. She's like, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting thing about Shyamalan is that, like, if you buy into it, you can easily come away with it like, yeah, yeah. that was pretty rad. It, but yeah. like it can go so far the other way too, where you're just and like, I, that was the that was the biggest waste of my life ever. Yeah, and I think that's the, the most interesting part of his movies is that it is because they're all kind of the same in that regard, where the dialogue's not usually that great, the acting's not that great. There's usually a ridiculous scene or two in there. And then the twist is you know, you gotta you either buy into it or you don't buy into it. And if you buy into it, you usually, they're fairly entertaining. And if you don't, you usually hate them. But to me, he always felt like kind of the same way I feel about like Stephen King adaptations. Even if I like don't like them, I still... There's a vibe. There's like a certain vibe. Yeah, it's just like a comfort watch. Even though I know that it's not that great, it's just a comforting feeling. Yeah, I, I I know exactly what you're you're talking about. I definitely he, it's he like definitely when we, has it's, a vibe. Yeah, it's like when we ate Romas and we regretted it so fucking much, but there's just something about it. It was comforting at the time. <laughs> Afterwards it was not comforting. <laughs> no. And it never uh, is, but you keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. That is true. Well, I don't have anything else to to discuss. Okay. Well, I have two. Uh, yeah, you, you you can go. I have two more. Funnily enough, one of them is a Stephen King adaptation, and that's John Carpenter's Christine from 1983. You know, like, I never saw this. Dude, you got to see it. Okay. And this is the reason. A, this isn't the reason, but A, it's <laughs> it's okay. Like it's an all right movie. Um, but there's two things about it that are just phenomenal. One is Keith Gordon's performance as Arnie Cunningham is fantastic he gives such a great performance where he's this kind of like nerdy like somewhat bullied kid that becomes like this cool you know fucking greaser type guy with his his Plymouth fury that also happens to kill people when he's not around so like he kind of like becomes unhinged towards the end and it's just it's a great performance from him second when the Plymouth free kills people it's oh man classic john carpenter it looks so fucking good there's one where he the the car blows up an entire gas station and everything's on fire and it's just it's unbelievable just to watch that whole sequence is maybe one of the favorite things i've seen in cinema in a while i just lost i lost it lost my shit adam nice but all the other stuff is like eh. It's all right. But those two, those two things, man, good stuff. And then I already kind of talked to you about this, but I'm here to spread the gospel of Final Destination 2. 
I love this. I love, I love that you love the Final Destination series as much as me. Because feel... it's just it's so good, man. It is. It's just incredibly good. I, I don't know. Like, I don't understand how you could not like Final Destination 2. Like, what, what do you want from movies? You know? Like, if you don't like this, what, what do you want? What are you expecting? It's just, it's baffling to me. And I do feel like, like, this is like my, uh, like my Jesus. Like, I got to tell people about Final Destination 2. Like, have you heard about Final Destination 2? <laughs> now, have you, have you let Final Destination 2 into your heart? So I know yeah. that you, you talked about the first Final Destination on this show. Not too, not, yeah. not too long ago. I don't remember when it was. It might have been three years ago for all I know. Uh, but do you, now that you saw two, do you have plans? Are you going to continue the series? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. There's no way. There's no way. Because the number two, I thought, was way better than the first one. So I'll be very curious to see, like, what you, like, how you think two stacks up to, to three and four. Because I don't, I don't really have an opinion on which one is my favorite, honestly, but. I'll I just, just, I could, just be curious to, to see, like... I gotta say, if if they keep this going, where the two is... To me, they seem to really lean into the, like, hey, we're just kind of having fun with this. Oh, yeah, they do. They lean into it more. And, you know, with every sequel, you gotta try to outdo yeah. yourself. So, as the series goes on, the the kills become more and more complex, and... Oh, yeah, they, they try what, to they try to trick you more and and that's yeah. what's lo- so lovely about this. And on top of that is that like the the deaths themselves, not only are they elaborate, overly elaborate, and they try and give you these misdirections and stuff like that, but also when it finally happens, when the death finally comes, it's so exaggerated, where like a part of them or their entire body explodes. For no reason, like it just explodes. It doesn't matter what touches a part of the body, just explosion and I blood everywhere. It's incredible. I don't, I don't understand why Blumhouse hasn't like rebooted this franchise. Like they they need to. Like this series cannot be dead. It needs to come back. No, this is one of those that should continue forever. Yeah, it's like Saw, really. Yeah, I mean, I I think that this series is better than Saw and. You know, Saul just kept going and going and going because all you got to do is come up with creative ways to kill people, and that's that's exactly how it is with this movie. Like, yeah, I mean, it's you, just you have it's... one big event, you have like a mass, yep, an accident that kills a lot of people. You have a group of teens or early twenty somethings that get out of it, and then they each get killed one by one. Like, it's the simplest thing ever. Yeah, and it's incredible. And that's the thing about uh, Final Destination 2 is, for as bad as it is, I mean, there's the, some of the dialogue in this is just outright atrocious. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. the, the, a lot of the acting is just atrocious, but that's not what I'm here for, okay? But the everything involving the setup of the, the, the accident, you know, that kills everyone, just the way in which that that's shot and the way that they take their time with it and really build up and spend time with every victim a little bit and just cut back and forth between them like while they're on the highway. It's just, it's phenomenal. This one, I think, has maybe the best, like, big accident because a lot of the other ones are a little bit more, 
like this one kind of hits you because you think like this could easily happen to you. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a highway accident. These and things I think it's ha- something like, pileups that, happen all the time. And I think it's something that everyone has thought of. Like right. When you're yeah, driving you've behind seen those, you've seen those trucks, you've seen the, you know, the log trucks, like it, some of the other ones, like there's a NASCAR one that happens. Uh, there's a roller coaster one that happens. And those two, like, while they're outrageous, feel a lot less likely to, to happen to you. There's a, there's a bridge one too. That one's, that one's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the rest of the, the final destinations. I mean, this is just a pure, this is such a good Friday night movie to me. Oh my God. Series. Yeah. It's just, it just hits the spot. It gives me exactly what I want. When I go, cause you know, I, I've, I've done this a million times where I'll, I'll like dive into a franchise and I'll rapid fire and binge like an entire horror series. And this is one of the few where I had a blast the entire time. Like by the end of it, I wasn't feeling like I was just so done with the franchise that I never wanted to watch one of them again. Like Children of the Corn, for instance. Like I don't even know if I was able to get through that whole one because it was just so bad. Leprechaun wasn't even able to get through half of those, I don't think. But this one, yeah, it's uh, it's one that I will gladly come back to. They're great. They're just so much yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. So excited. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters. Just one big one. Lightyear. This is the Buzz Lightyear movie. <laughs> This looks awful. I'm sorry. This looks. This is such a dumb idea. I I hate this. I hate it. I do as well. Like the animation doesn't even look good. It just looks like crap. Everything about this just seems like a dumb, bad idea. It's a horrible idea. Lazy. Just, uh, just no. I'm not into. No, thank it. you. No, thank you. I love the Toy Story movies, but come on, this this is like, and one could argue that Buzz Lightyear is like the weakest of the Toy Story characters too. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's definitely my least. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's what's hitting theaters. Uh, VOD this week. Uh, I didn't update the calendar. That's on me. So I'm not exactly sure what's coming out. Net Netflix uh, has. Let's see. The Wrath of God with, uh, what is this? This is with, um, actually, I don't even know what this is all about. Thriller, maybe? And then on the 16th, uh, sorry, on the 17th, Spiderhead comes out. That's another big Netflix release. That's the the kind of sci-fi one. Spiderhead. Spiderhead with uh, Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, give it a look. Yeah, it's going to be garbage. Just a heads up. Most likely. Most likely. Were you interested in Hustle? It seems like one you'd be into. Hustle. Is that the Adam Sandler basketball thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That is out now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't see it yet. I seemed like something you might be into, though. You're a fan of basketball, and you like am... Sandler's more serious roles. That's true. That is true. I might have to check that out at some point. Which is a roundabout way of me saying I'm probably never going to no, watch you're, it. You're not going to watch it. We know. We know, we know <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to update the VOD calendar this week. So if you go to the site and it 
go to the VOD calendar, you should see up-to-date releases very soon. I just haven't got around to it yet. Pain in the ass, to be honest with you, but we'll get, I'll get there. On Blu-ray this week, we have Morbius coming out. Ooh. You know what I love about Morbius is no, that I... there was that meme that, that started floating around about Morbius, and Sony thought it would be a good idea to try to capitalize on the meme and re-release Morbius in theaters, and it failed miserably. <laughs> yeah. Because like it, it's funny to me that in this day and age, people still don't understand how the internet works. <laughs> no, no, it's because what was the meme even? That was the thing that confused me. Is I saw that they re-released it based on a meme, and I'm like, I don't even remember seeing a meme. The meme was it was a clip of a theater, and when Morbius is like fighting Venom, uh. Venom says something like it's feeding time. I don't know what he says. And then Morbius goes, it's morbing time. <laughs> and the, the, like the crowd goes nuts when he says it's morbing time. And that's the meme. It's morbing time. And you're telling me that that movie flopped not once, but twice. Yeah. Yes, it did. It, it did like, uh, I think it was an average of $86 per theater or something like that. Incredible. On the re-release? Wow. Yeah, it was a big, big-time failure. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I guess I, I'll hold my judgment on it, but it looks tremendously bad. Uh, let's see, Ambulance is coming out. That's the Michael Bay one. Um, looks like there's a Herzog collection coming out on Shout Factory. Oh, boy. This is volume two of the Herzog collection. Includes a pretty large number of his uh, movies, eleven movies to be exact. Wow! Uh, Benedetta is coming out. Father Stew. Uh, let's see. Hotel Fear from 1978. Ninja Badass mm -hmm. from 2020. The fact that it's 2020 makes me like. Yeah. You see Ninja Badass and you're like, huh? And then you see 2020 and you're like, oh, yeah. As you know, it's probably one of those, like, homages that, that is, like, bad. That doesn't yes. work. Let's see. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Oh, we have one. That's Farewell more from 2020. Debut from Equa Masangi. That sounds good. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be wonderful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.